0: and welcome to the pack heavy podcast now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision i call this mindset the pack heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. G'day everybody and welcome to episode 76 where today I have guest Damien Law who is the founder at Effin Good Snacks. Now Damien is currently in the process of reinventing your favourite sugar and carb loaded cookies from childhood by replacing them with almonds and a sweetener blend made from allulose and monk fruit. His cookies are dairy free and gluten free and a perfect treat that'll satisfy your late night sweet tooth. Now this is an episode for anyone out there looking to hit the ground running with a growing mailing list and audience on TikTok, some sales in the bank and a big buzz around your launch into the marketplace. So get out your pen and paper. I really think that Damien is executing on a textbook pre-launch strategy here and I can guarantee that there'll be something that you'll all be able to take away and put right into play within your own business. But before we get stuck into the episode, if any of you have any feedback or questions from today's episode, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to chime into the conversation on LinkedIn and Instagram, or feel free to shoot me an email. Enjoy. Damien, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. No worries, mate. Um, I came across you a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn. It's very recent that I've started following you uh, because I had Jared Klingerman uh, from One and Up Butters uh, mention your name on an episode and he was talking about your pre launch strategy. So I thought I'd reach out and, uh, and get you on, and here we are.
1: Yep. Yeah. Jared uh, reached out to me after he had a fun time on the pod. So uh, happy to be here. Yeah. Excited cool, to chat go into everything
0: it'll be great yeah and I guess the premise of um, the conversation that I'd love to have with you today really is around your pre-launch strategy with F and good snacks Um, it's a business that it looks like you got off the ground pretty recently and I'd love to sort of dig into that and sort of where the idea came from and where you currently are and where you plan on going but yeah definitely want to talk to you about your success that you've seen on TikTok uh, your pre-launch yep. strategy and pre-sales and also um the fact that you're using a co-packer down in the states as well so a lot to discuss mate
1: yeah yeah lot to dive in
0: awesome so i was reading it. on linkedin that uh you were born and raised in hong kong
1: so i was actually born in uh vancouver oh which, sorry which is where i'm right, where right, at, right. which is yep. where i'm at right now and then yep. um have a bunch of family in hong kong so yep. I was born here moved back when i was three and uh lived pretty much grew up there so from three to 15 yeah uh went to uh an international school because uh, i don't know if you've ever been
2: to not Hong to Hong Kong, Kong. But it, no.
1: Yeah, but it's basically like there's a lot of like English influence, especially for like the that. yeah World War II days. Yeah. Um. So there's like a lot of like expats, you know, foreigners coming in. So I went to like an international school, met a bunch of like cool cultures, you know, was surrounded by that. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was 15, I was a horrible student. Um, was not good in class at all. So my parents uh, decided to send me over to Canada to kind of get more independent, you know, and uh, so I moved. Exactly. Find my seat, find my feet. Um, so I moved to Canada when I was 15 and then went to uh, really kind of like stumbled about a couple places because I have like a couple family friends here. Right. So for the first like year, I stayed with a family friend and that was like an hour away from high school. So what I had to do was like I had to wake up at like 6 a.m., take like a bus and then the train and then another bus, which is like an hour long just to yeah. get to school and then do yeah. the same thing on the way so home. then like yeah. yeah exactly and for like a 15 year old kid like that's a lot for school you <laughs> yeah know what I mean? yeah yeah they're long days so like, yeah exactly exactly so um i started missing class a lot yeah and then and then i moved from like uh my family friend's place to a friend's place for like a, a year that I didn't work out and then i had to move to like a like a homestay kind mm-hmm. of place yeah for a year so yeah that was kind of basically my my high school experience and then um I always kind of knew during high school that I didn't want to go to college and Mm -hmm. I wanted to do my own thing. But obviously at the time I didn't know what I was gonna do. Yeah. So my parents wanted me to go to college. So I went to college for a semester. I applied for like um so in in Vancouver, the main like college is called the University of British Columbia. Yeah. Applied for the business program, but I didn't get in. Didn't get into the arts program either. So I went to um another uh college here called Simon Fraser, and then got into like the psychology program, um, which I kind of like. Yeah, had to do because my parents wanted me to go to college. So did that for about a semester, and then one night I still remember this night so clearly. um, My friend came over, and I haven't talked to him since like high school. So we were just like catching up. Yeah, and he was just talking to me, me about like he started like a marketing agency, started like you know doing all this stuff. I was like, damn, this is like maybe like my way out of college. Um so he gave me my first book read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. I'm sure yep. like a lot of people that yeah, was the yep, first Yeah yeah
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: And then uh, read that and then kind of just like everything just switched. Um started my first company um when I was 19. It was like an Amazon based business. Is so that Unique just, Wellness? Unique Wellness. Yeah. Yep. You did your research, man. I did, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I started that um when I was 19, did it for about a year. It was just really good experience for me to kind of get my feet wet with like starting a business doing like marketing all this kind of stuff supply chain Mm -hmm. so yeah did that for about a year and like i think like during that year my girlfriend can like attest to this but i was like the most burnt out most unhappy place i've ever been Mm -hmm. and we were making like decent money too for like we're making like 10 20 grand a month which for like a 19 year old kid a lot of a lot of money yeah um so i thought like the money would make me happy but it didn't mm-hmm. and i was just like why What? what's going on mm. so i just you know after doing some like thinking i just realized like it's not something i'm passionate about and it's not something i see myself doing for the next five to ten years yeah and um for me at least i really need to be into it to do the thing mm. so after about the year i sat down pen and paper Wrote like three criteria. I wanted because I love creating stuff. I yep. love starting businesses, so I knew I wanted to start a new business. Like keep keep maybe the the unique wellness on on autopilot, but mm-hmm. start um a new thing that I can be proud of. I can tell all my friends and family about. Yeah. And uh, three the three criteria I wrote down were: Is it something I see myself doing for the next like five to ten years? Is it a problem I struggle with myself?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it a problem a lot of people? um struggle with too yeah so it was just like noticing day-to-day life like what pisses me off what annoys me what problems do i have just kind of writing it down on the checklist Mm -hmm. and then just going back to those three does do i see myself doing this for five years nope okay cross see you later exactly and then um just kind of go down the list until like one night um ever since starting my business i've been like trying to be super healthy Mm -hmm. So like health, um, food, diet, you know, working out, sleep. And so I was pretty health conscious at that point in my life. And, um, I eat pretty healthy, but no matter like how healthy I eat, I love junk food at night. I don't know what it is, but I just love cookies. Mm -hmm. Um, so late one night was binging a bunch of like chips, a hoys. So I wanted to find a healthier option started baking in my kitchen, um, different, like keto, low sugar alternative, but realized like I got way too lazy. Um, so <laughs> I feel like that's a theme that keeps coming up. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still lazy guy and a bunch of like healthy cookies on the, the market or like crunchy. And I really wanted like a soft baked one. Yep. <clears throat> and the more I kind of looked into it, the more I realized there was not a single brand kind of targeting the late night snacking category, the, the night snacking category. Mm-hmm and um you know everyone knows that eating at night isn't good for you and it has a bad rep so well what, wa- what we really want to do with effing good snacks is to change that narrative and um, reimagine the most popular late night junk foods starting with cookies i don't know if i have a pack right there i'll just show you it's beautiful um, packaging by the way thank you man yeah so these are the cookies yep. um so yeah we really want to reimagine the most popular late night junk foods and so, yeah, these are low sugar, low carb, and we put um, functional ingredients in them that could help you promote better sleep. So, yeah, that's kind of my life story in like two minutes.
0: <laughs> Dude, you've done a lot. And you just had your 22nd birthday the other day. So, happy birthday.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm getting old. I'm getting old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember being 22. I'm feeling the same way, but, mate, you were in the prime of your life. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mate, so let's sort of start with unique wellness. It sounds to me as if you sort of figured out pretty quickly that it wasn't the direction that you wanted to be going in. So, you know, going through the process of figuring out the direction that you do want to go in and, uh, you know, eventually ending on effing good snacks, you know, I'm sure that there were some key takeaways from, you know, unique wellness that you wanted to incorporate in this new business. So talk 100%. to us about that.
1: Yeah. So I started unique wellness because I live in Vancouver. It's a very like healthy yoga city. Bunch of like yoga. If you go on like Amazon, a bunch of products on there are very ugly, very plain. So, we wanted to make like beautiful (laughs) yoga accessories. So, got that going. Um, I think since we created like a a great product that's really different from Mm. what is out there, Mm -hmm. um, especially on Amazon, um, it, it hit off pretty fast. And so going into it, I had no business experience, no business background. Mm-hmm. I loved like learning more about it, but I had no experience going into it. Yeah. So it was it was really going into it, throwing you know shit at the wall and seeing what sticks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's that's kind of been like my approach with everything, just kind of trying new things quickly yep. and failing fast. Yeah. Um. So I remember, you know, talking to manufacturers. I don't know. They were talking to me about like, you know, FOB or like mm-hmm. all these different terms. I was MoQs, like, what the hell is yep. MOQs. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is that? So just kind of like learning like step yeah. by step what the whole process looked like yeah. from developing the product to manufacturing, to shipping, to, you know, warehousing, to marketing, to all of these, all these different categories. Um, that's part of the ecosystem of the business. Yeah. I just kind of learned that yeah. in, a, in like a very short period of time. Yeah, and, and I think like for anyone just like starting out, um, there's a lot of like analysis paralysis, right? You feel like yeah. you need more information than you need to get started. And mm-hmm. that was definitely like the case with me. Um, I was just like researching a bunch of different stuff instead of actually doing the thing mm-hmm. and seeing if it works. And so that would be like a big um, tip, uh, something I've learned a lot about and just like trying things out seeing what works, if it doesn't work, scrap it and then try new things and mm-hmm. just really learning to pivot quick. Yep. Um, so those are kind of like the biggest lessons I've learned from
0: unique yep. wellness. Yeah, so bring and, it over. You know, um, like e-commerce is a beast of its own, right? So whether you're plugging into a platform like um, Amazon and you've got your own back end and you know, your own uh, relationships with manufacturers that are dropping, you know, drop shipping directly to the fulfillment centers of Amazon, whether you're developing your own business like you are right now, there are definitely some similarities. So it all sort of starts with market research, in my opinion. So at what point did you get out there and, you know, reach out to the world and go, is this an opportunity that I can validate and that I want to put all of my efforts into?
1: Yeah. So when I first came up with uh the, with Effing Good Snacks, I, when I thought of the idea, when when you come up with like an idea and you just like know it's the right idea for you, you just have like a gut feeling about it. So I just knew right away it was like something that I'm going to do for the mm-hmm. next five to 10 years or however long it's going to being yep. worked for yeah but the way i kind of went about it was um i used facebook groups and Reddit a lot and i also talked to a bunch of like friends and family mm-hmm. there's a good book on this um, when you talk to especially your friends and family yep. they, they bullshit you a lot so there's a good book on this called the mom test mm-hmm. where it kind of tells you like how you should be asking the questions whether it's something that you know people would actually use Um, So besides that, I also used uh, Reddit groups and Facebook groups. So for me, my target customer is basically someone, you know, low sugar or keto or, you know, um, diabetics. So I would go onto a lot of subreddits on, uh, yeah, go on subreddits into these uh, groups. And I would just type in, you know, uh, late night snacking or like late night cravings or low sugar cookies, see what pops up. And I just saw like a bunch of people saying the exact same thing where it's like, they're on this diet, um, but they all mess up at night with Mm -hmm. unhealthy foods. So I knew I was like onto something, um, pretty early on, did the same thing basically for Facebook groups. And once I kind of like had a basic idea, like, okay, there's a real, like people are having the same problem as me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they're always, they're actually actively looking for solution. Mm -hmm. I put together a very simple, landing page where it basically, uh, had like a, a headline talking about, I didn't even keep in mind. I have no idea what the the, the product is yeah. or oh, what it's going to be is, called. Yeah. What it's going to be called. No yeah, packaging, yeah. no 3d mockups, nothing. Yeah. I just knew kind of had a basic idea of what I wanted it to be. Yeah. So I had a headline. I made a video saying like, um, basically this is a, you know, I thought of this idea. I'm a huge late night snacker. Um, we're coming out with, I knew we want to make cookies. So I said, mm-hmm. we wanted to make cookies. If you, Uh, you know, struggle with the same problem as I do, sign up below to be the first to to know when we launch. Awesome. And that was before um, TikTok or before I started posting on TikTok. So what I did was I would go into a bunch of these Facebook Reddit groups. I would ask a question saying like, I struggle with, you know, late night cookie cravings. Uh, I'm good all day. Does anyone have the same problem? And then a bunch of people would reply back and what I would do is, I, I don't think this is even allowed anymore, but I would just DM each person on Facebook and Reddit saying like, um, oh, so you struggle with this the same problem. I'm actually, you know, starting a company inspired by this problem and uh, send them the link to the yeah. landing page yeah. and just like scrappily, you know, hustling a couple email addresses every day yep. until we got like a hundred and then, you know, would post on a personal Facebook saying like this is my idea uh you know this is the link if you want to support it and basically we just built up all in all through like that hustle we built up a 200 person email list so this mm-hmm. was back in like october of 2020 to january f- no just oh yeah october 2020 to december of 2020 yeah so that's so a over that a couple yep. of months Yep. while i was doing that was also kind of figuring out the recipe that's a, that's a whole dif- that's another uh, mm-hmm. topic we can cover later. Um, but yeah, I just grinded that out. And then every single week, have you ever bought something from Kickstarter?
0: Uh, no, I haven't, but I've been on the platform many times.
1: Yeah. So basically if you buy something from Kickstarter, um, whoever uh, made the project yep. would send you a weekly or monthly update. Mm-hmm. So I kind of took inspiration from that and I would just kind of bring people along the journey while yep. we were developing the recipe. So saying like, this is what we want to put. You know, what do you guys think? Is this sugar? What are, do you like? The, how the macros look? Yes or no? Or like, we just got our first sample. So throughout the whole process, we got that 200 people uh, involved, and uh, we really built in public, involved those 200 people yeah. to actually build the product. You know, people wanted. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we did in the beginning stages.
0: Dude, that's genius. It reminds me of um, Tim Ferriss' book, The Four Hour Work Week. Have you read that?
1: I haven't, actually. I think I'm one of the only people who haven't.
0: Well, yeah, you don't need to, mate, because you've just implemented a lot of the things that he's pointed out. So it's pretty okay. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? You'd get a lot out of that book as well. He's got some really okay. cool I'll tests in there. Yeah, for sure. I'll check it out. Awesome. So that's how you built out a bit of a, a mailing list. You got everybody on board. That's awesome. Um, talk to us a little bit about um, uh, recipe development.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, dude, comparing, like, unique wellness to a starting a food company yeah completely different ballgame completely different ballgame and i don't think i was ready for how big of a journey and mental shift i had to go through Mm -hmm. because for you know a physical yoga product you go on alibaba you search for it you basically take what they already have maybe make some slight improvements and then off to the race as you go yeah food products gotta start from scratch right I don't know anything about baking. I don't know anything about sourcing ingredients or how much almonds cost per pound, none of this. So I just uh, cold messaged a lot of people on LinkedIn and and Google um, saying, this is my idea. Can you help me make it uh, come come to life? So about from like October of 2020 to like, I say it took me like a month to find a food scientist. Mm -hmm. Um, So found a food scientist that was willing to help me make the recipe so it was a lot of back and forth sampling all of that and then after um i think it took about um like 4 months to develop i think and yeah. then we took that recipe to a co-man which was another thing we had to find like how do you find a mm-hmm. co-manufacturer um and for food products especially in the in, in the early stages moqs are super high yeah they like are. you have to order a lot a lot a lot mm-hmm. so that requires a lot of money um, so there was two issues, like where are we going to come up with the money and, um, where are we going to find a co manufacturer So after about like uh, a couple months back and forth researching, we found a co-packer that can help us, uh, take this recipe, produce it on a large scale. And initially we would start working together. They would t- they told me it would take like six months. Uh, so that was like, I think January. And then we would launch June of 2021. But little did you know, COVID happened.
0: <laughs> yes, it did.
1: <laughs> that was peak COVID. So then every single problem you can imagine happened. Yeah. Ingredient prices rose like 50%, supply chain problems, labor problems, all of that. Um. So so that took way longer than we expected. I mean, we're going into like our official production run, like mm-hmm. literally in two weeks. So it yep. really took a year longer than what we thought. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's, that, that's kind of what we did, um, lots of sampling. And then what we did actually was we sent out a bunch of samples to those 200 people on the email list yep. saying like, what do you guys think? A little survey on a scale of one to 10, how much, how, how likely you're going to recommend, us, recommend us to a friend, is it sweet enough? So all of that. And then, um, yeah, just. That's kind of what we went through. Uh, lots ha- of delays.
0: Yeah, dude, it was hard. When you were sent out the samples, was it just a single flavor and a single skew that you sent out or was it like different options so they could choose out of A, B, C and D, for example?
1: It was It was actually two. So right now um, it was different ingredients we put two. Uh, mm-hmm. So right now our first ingredient is almonds. But I think so that was one of the samples we sent out. And the second one, I think the first ingredient was, uh, what was it? I think it was like, I forget. I forget what the second one was, but we sent out two two samples. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. So you could do an AB split test kind of thing and see which one came out on top. That's awesome. And so, you know, throughout this period, you also jumped on TikTok and you've obviously seen a lot of success. And it was really cool because you just put a post up sort of showing everybody, you know, that it does take time to build a bit of a following. But once you can sort of nail that recipe on TikTok as well, things tend to soar. So talk us through your TikTok experience.
1: So I started post, I posted my first video, December 24th of 2021. So between that time I told you about, um, the June that we were supposed to launch Mm. till December, it was basically just a waiting game. Like there was literally nothing really I could do except like figure out a couple emails, keep doing the email, uh, the update newsletters I was sending out. So, and, and the worst feeling for an entrepreneur is like feeling like nothing is happening. Yeah. Um, so I decided to start posting on TikTok like end of December. And uh, I saw like a lot of people doing really well on the platform, so I was like, "Why not? Let me try. Let me try this out." And it goes mm-hmm. back to like the whole try new things. If it doesn't work, then then scrap it. Do another thing. Yeah. And I posted my first video, and the video was about like why I dropped out of college to make like one gram sugar cookies. And uh, luckily, that video took off and helped us build uh, a six thousand person waiting list. So going from a little two hundred to yeah. like six thousand people. So just like amplifying my microphone. Like, Absolutely. By like I don't yeah. even know how much, how many that is, um, 2,000 times or 3,000 times.
0: Something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, basically kept doing the same thing as I did. It was, it was nuts. It was like literally the most in- insane thing I've ever seen. Um, you know, we went from like zero to like 18,000 followers and like over just like overnight like that 6,000 person on Six thousand person added to the waiting list in like mm-hmm. a week's period of time, and so I during that time I saw like an article that said like the longer you keep someone on a waiting list, the more likely they're to forget and actually not convert when you do officially launch. Yeah. So we made this decision to launch pre-orders on January the twenty seventh. So literally like three weeks after that viral video hit, and we built up that like momentum um, and that list. So that's kind of what we did. We funneled everyone from TikTok to that landing page I talked to you about from the beginning. Yeah. Yep. Get those emails and then basically do the exact same thing I was doing, but on a way bigger scale, just building in public, sharing what we're up to, um, why we decided to do what we do. Yeah. And then a week before we uh, launched the pre orders, we decided to like hype it up, hype it up, and then. The rest is history
0: that's awesome yeah you did have a yeah. post saying that you sold 685 units in five days so yeah that's insane was that when you just launched the pre-sale
1: just the pre-sale Dude. you want you want me to talk talk about that
0: absolutely yeah definitely. yeah
1: yeah so the week leading before the pre-sale um have you read the book launch by no, jeff walker no i haven't great great book on how to like launch something so i basically not steal but took inspiration from like a lot of concepts from that book. Um, so a week before leading up to the launch, I started saying, Hey, um, we're going to launch our pre-orders on January, the 27th. Um, and during that time, we're actually going to produce 20% of our entire, um, batch of inventory. So our MOQ was 4,000 and, um, 20%. So that's 800. So we had like real scarcity built in. Mm -hmm. So the first 800 people or 800 units sold will get shipped out like a month and a half before anyone else gets their pre-order. So that was one point we hit really hard.
0: And that's the batch that you just sent out now. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Awesome. It's good timing that we're having this conversation.
1: I know, right? It was like just after everything was said and done. And then the second point was um, I I had a Shopify site and then you can put like a password protect. So the password, so anyone that was going onto the website either just saw that page where you can enter your email, you know, but they can't enter the website. Yeah. So I said like on January the 27th at exactly 8.50 AM, we're going to send out an email with the password. So we got that down. So these two things, I think for us really drove it home, which is the scarcity and the, um, what do you call it? Like uh, exclusivity. Yeah. So we drove those two points really home. So seven days before we were just, every single day we would send out an email. So three days left, two days left, tomorrow. And then the day um, yeah, on the day of the pre orders, we sent out, like three emails one at 850. Two, the second email actually drove basically, uh, I'd say like 75% of the sales we got on day one because we said we showed like I took a picture of myself with a whiteboard saying, This is how much we've sold today. Like, thank you guys for the support. And so people sh- saw that there was actually like momentum going in, yeah, uh, there was social proof, people were actually buying, mm-hmm. and I think like, uh, a good point and I, I don't know who I heard this from someone said if you're driving down on, on a hill on in your car and you saw someone parked and their car was broken down you wouldn't get out and help them you just keep driving but if you saw someone you know pushing their car up the hill trying to make it work you would be more likely to get out of the car and help them so I think that was a lot of uh, the principle behind like why um, building in public documenting the journey really worked mm-hmm. out for us. And um, yeah, we just continued making content, doing the funnel, TikTok, email, and then uh, sale. So that's kind of the, what we went through from, you know, January till, till now.
0: Yeah, Mate, you keep on saying, <clears throat> wait, who else have you got on your team?
1: You, uh, so we have, it's basically me and we have a, a part-time um, ops manager. That helps okay. us. Okay, So it's just the two of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So you're busy. So this is awesome, mate. Busy. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So have you met Erica from Brodo, or are you in touch I with have. Erica? Yeah,
1: I have. Yeah, she's love,
0: awesome. Yeah, I love the way that she's gone about um, building her TikTok profile, and obviously that's you know naturally building into um, some success in sales. Uh, that she's seeing as well, which is great. But I, I love the strategy that you've taken on board. And I'm really glad that you're able to discuss, us with, discuss it with us today, because I'm sure that there are a lot of people in your situation, either they're looking to launch a new product or they're in the middle of, you know, doing exactly what you're doing, or they're a couple of years down the road and potentially looking to launch a new product out into the world. So if someone yeah. came to you and said, hey, listen, what do you sort of see as the most crucial or critical aspects of a pre-launch? What would you suggest they would be?
1: That's a good question.
0: Having considered that this is the first time you've really done it, but I think that you've you know I'd had stay. a really successful crack at it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd say storytelling. Yeah, for sure, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I think it, brands really gotta understand how to do good storytelling nowadays because con- people don't like getting sold to. People yeah. like buying into stories. I yeah. I say this all the time. It's like if someone's emotionally bought into your journey, they're emotionally bought into your brand. Yeah, and um. <clears throat> I think getting storytelling right, telling your story, especially on TikTok in a creative, fun way. And and the byproduct of that is you get sales. It's like you got to lead with um, your story, why you exist, why you decided to come up with your brand, your idea. And, um, you know, and then the byproduct is, this is what we make. Mm -hmm. So you can't leave with the the other way around. This is what we make. And this is why we do it. This is why we do it. And then this is what we
0: make. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think like TikTok is a once, I think it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and we're still so early. We still don't know what it's going to be like in the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah. And, and a lot of people are saying this and I I agree. It's like TikTok is what Instagram and Facebook were back in like 2012. Yeah. You can launch anything. You can launch a company on it and you get like hundreds and thousands of followers in a matter of months, maybe even weeks. Yeah. And like a lot of great brands were built on uh Instagram. Gymshark was built on Instagram. Yeah. So I see like a lot of like great upcoming brands. Hopefully I can get snacks as part of that. Yeah. That was built on TikTok, would leverage TikTok and then branched off from there. Dude. Um yeah.
0: Uh, I think that's awesome. I think another key component that I'm interested in discussing with you is, um, you know, obviously you're using a co-packer are down in the States. Mm -hmm. When you were sort of considering who you were going to go with, obviously, you know, you may have been a little bit limited because of this, you know, the initial batch size that you were looking for and, you know, certain criteria that you were, um, that you had in the product, which may have um, limited you to a certain um, amount or, you know, only a certain amount. you know array of co-packers but tell us yeah. a little bit about sort of you know getting out discussing um you know your project with co-packers and how you eventually landed on who you did
1: yeah so the original plan was to actually so right now we can't actually sell in canada even oh, though right. I'm in canada okay but the original plan was to to be in canada yeah and then the u.s yeah so but when we were developing the recipe i worked with a food scientist based in in the states yeah and i didn't know anything about you know food regulations i didn't know there were different rules in canada and the us
0: even packaging so, regulations yeah yeah
1: exactly i yep. didn't know you have to like put french on yep. the packaging here yeah so um yeah while we were working through the recipe it was like 90% done yeah and one of the ingredients we use is allulose it's it's mm-hmm. a natural sweetener found in okay. dates and figs doesn't raise your blood sugars zero calories and so that sweetener is actually banned or not banned, but not regulated here in Canada. So okay. you actually can't sell any food or drinks with allulose. And so during that time, once I figured that out, once I realized like, oh shit, like you can't sell this recipe here, mm. it was either a scrap it. So that was another issue. It was a scrap it or B take another like six months to, to redo the entire thing. Cause it's, it's our second ingredient. So it makes up a, yeah. Pretty big part of our. Had you
0: printed your packaging at that stage?
1: I haven't. No. Okay. Yep. But, but we, we, the design was finalized. Yeah.
0: Got Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep.
1: Yeah. So that was kind of a a dilemma I was going through. Do we just, you know, scrap it so I can, you know, have them sell it here or do I start all over again? Yeah. So I decided to go like the latter. Um, I didn't want to wait six months, even though eventually we waited like 12 like 12 months. Yeah. But at the time I didn't want to wait six months. I just want to get it out there. See what people have to say. So we made the decision to just start in the U S and then later on, once that gets going, tweak the recipe and then sell, um, in Canada. So when we were, um, approaching co-packers, it was, it was just a bunch of, um, like research. Like I know there's a lot of, uh, like services that could help you find, like a bunch of co packers for whatever mm-hmm. baked goods, cookies, chips, whatever it is. Yep. But we, I, I did the manual way because um, I didn't want to spend any money on that. So just pulled together an Excel spreadsheet, wrote like researched a bunch, wrote them down, phone number, mm-hmm. called a bunch, and just seeing like which co packer, um, like understood. I think the co packing relationship is one of the most important relationships cool. you can have. Yep. I mean, without, co-packer you don't have a product without a product you don't have a brand mm-hmm. and so we really wanted to every single co-packer we talked to we told them like what we wanted to do um so we don't want to be just a cookie company even though that's our first product so we to- kind of told them the vision we had and then I kind of just see like is this is this person just really in it to like help us make like just to do a job or do they actually like believe in uh, our success and you know chew for our success? So after about like, like 30, I think 30 calls, emails, um, landed on our current co-packer and, um, it's been, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a tricky road so, uh, so far. So uh, I don't know how that's going to go, but they helped us, um, take the recipe, develop it, um, and yeah, that's, that's how we went about it. That's awesome. So just like, yeah, just a lot of research. And I think something, if I were to do something differently. I would start, uh, posting on LinkedIn earlier. Mm-hmm. So I posted on LinkedIn, uh, started in November, but, uh, if I knew what I knew now, I would definitely started earlier and connected with a bunch of people in the same space, food and mm-hmm. beverage, mm-hmm. get a bunch of referrals yeah. from other people. And, um, that would have cut my time from like two to three months to like maybe even a
0: month mm. and, um, yeah. I noticed you do post on LinkedIn quite a lot, and you ask a lot of really great questions. And the great thing about the network that we're all a part of on LinkedIn is that people are so giving of their time and you know willing to share. It's been awesome, mate. I noticed yeah. the one you know if, you threw out a if, question of whether you should go to LA or Austin, and you know just a simple question like that and getting a lot of input is really valuable.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I, I had a, like a bunch of people reach out to me, you know, saying like this is why like Austin is better than LA yeah. or like LA yeah, yeah. is better than Austin and this is why the community is better here there's a lot more opportunity so like really just like putting yourself emerging yourself in the space and yeah you know there's i think there's like a taboo like image that like the e-com space or a bunch of like douchebags and like you know lamborghinis and all that but like the food space is like the the, the food and beverage cpg space is one of the most like supportive everyone to wants earth. to like yeah down to earth no yep. no ego humble yeah everyone wants to like lift each other up because mm-hmm. like if one person wins everyone wins yeah and um it's just one of the most amazing community i've you know ever seen like everyone is willing to help out everyone's willing to lend you five minutes to ask a question so it is um, awesome definitely definitely highly recommend yeah. just like sharing your your thoughts your input on yep. on linkedin
0: yep you know um uh the chfa was only a couple of weeks ago and actually being in a room with everybody again and hugs and you know handshakes and getting in amongst <laughs> it, it was awesome mate like yeah being a yeah. part of that community but actually a face-to-face interaction rather than being on linkedin yeah. was great but you know you mentioned like how accessible people are you've got people like mike fatter and susie york who are just the most successful entrepreneurs in their sort of specific channels who are so giving of their time. You know, they're building their own sort of brand around their name, but, you know, they're they're so willing to share with people who are just, you know, getting off the ground. It's awesome. Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. Twitter is also a pretty good spot if you want to learn more about like marketing. Yep. Uh, Twitter's been super helpful. There's a bunch of like stuff you can read and like learn about and people you can like connect with. And I think it also goes back to the point of uh if you see someone pushing a car up you're willing more to, mm-hmm. to help out yeah if you i think that's something um i really want to do from the get-go is just like showing that there's progress mm. showing that there's momentum and um in terms like people are willing to help out because people like seeing other people doing cool shit
0: yeah no they do yeah. um is your what's your plan for this business are you going to keep it online like an e-commerce business or are you going to take it eventually onto the retail shelf or what are your thoughts
1: yeah, so right now we're just um fully D to C. Yep. But um we're still technically in pre-launch mode. We haven't officially yeah. launched yet. Um we're producing our official production run in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. So all said and done, we're probably gonna launch in about like a month, a month and a half max. Yep. And the plan is to to be on Amazon. Um so for a food company, I think you really have to be omnichannel nowadays yeah. to be to be successful and to be to be proud of, to be respected. And so um, we got the D2C side. Um, we're going to hit the, the Amazon side really hard once we officially launch,
0: which is something you've and, done before, which is awesome.
1: Which is, which is just something I've done before. Yep. So I've yep. got some, uh, experience in, in that world. Um, couple of flavors in, in the works. So, mm-hmm. um, ideally for, for the cookies, we want to have like three skews. So, um, chocolate, um, peanut butter and the, the other ones still up for debate. So if you have any, uh, suggestions, let me know, mm-hmm. but yeah, just coming out with those three and then once we kind of get those going um we'll take the best selling flavor skew and uh go, try to hit up some independent retailers not independent but like smaller retail yeah. stores yeah yeah like like the airawans of the world um yeah all, all those places so just really like taking the best one and then carrying it over to retail we we don't want to be retail for now just cuz we kind of want to own that conversation with our mm-hmm. customers get that early feedback talk to them And then see, and at the same time, building the community bigger and bigger, because once you own that community, no matter like where you go, all you have to do is just hold up that microphone and tell people where to go. Yeah. And because you've built up that community, right? So the whole plan is to to be online for now. And then once we kind of establish D2C, Amazon, then then we're going to hit retail and then um, testing new different uh, product categories and different verticals.
0: Mm -hmm. Mate, um, talk to us a little bit about your pricing model and how you landed where you did. Um so the what model pricing, and also you know, okay. and how you costed the product out to you know allow yourself enough margin to obviously grow the business. But yeah. um, you know the cost of doing business, you know, especially with Amazon, you know, there's a cost associated with that. Now I know a lot of people are probably already familiar with the retail uh, model, but what does the econ model look like for you?
1: Well, the 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 right, I think for for an, for a food product, you really have to be like around the 40 to 50% margin. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a startup, it, that's really, really hard to get to. It is. So we're still, we're still working our way up to that, to that point. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but uh, yeah, food, food is hard. It's expensive. There's a lot of backend costs that you really got to factor in. And especially with Amazon taking a way bigger cut
2: mm.
1: than if you were to sell like on your own channel. And that's why I think we stayed super scrappy. We stayed super lean uh especially during right now TikTok, organic TikToks, linkedin uh, you know personal network all of those three we we spend no um money on advertising so and far your
0: mailing list yeah
1: yeah and and your mailing list uh so just really kind of riding that train for as long as possible TikTok, um it's been absolutely like a a, a gem for us so mm-hmm. we're just gonna keep keep going that way but as far as like pricing model you really gotta especially on your, it depends like on what goals you have for each channel, in my opinion. So the way we kind of look about it is Amazon's going to be a trial channel. So we're going to have a three pack option uh, on there for like $15. And that's kind of where people come, you know, they look up keto cookies. They see our listing, they see our cool packaging they give us a try. yeah, And then if they like it, they can, uh, it's the least like let least friction sales channel out there like yeah they can just throw it in the
0: basket and buy it with along and if there are other things and yeah exactly it's easy
1: exactly 100 yep. and um that's a trial channel and then for for our website the so to establish like even if we break even on the amazon side the way we kind of establish it is our website has to turn a profit like it has to in order for us to make the other components of the business work so for the amazon to work we have to turn a profit into the DC side and for the D to C side, we have to get enough people on the Amazon to have that that spillover. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have like a subscribe and save and also uh, a buy in bulk, but save. So if people like the product, they can come on our website and uh, they can buy more and save. But mm-hmm. the Amazon is where they they try the product.
0: Got you. Okay, that's yeah. a cool strategy. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how that goes. You may have to make some yeah. shifts along the way. And like yeah, you said, learn and then fail and fail fast. That's really cool. Yeah,
1: nothing nothing ever goes to plan, but you can yep. just have a general idea and then pivot mm-hmm. as you kind of go.
0: And then I guess once you're out in the marketplace and you've got some time freed up, you're going to be looking to some, to, to develop some new SKUs. So, you know, you've started off with cookies. What else is on the agenda?
1: Yeah. So, um, we really want to come out with like a better for you, sleep friendly Oreos, um, there's like a couple brands out there, but I've tried them. They're not, they're not the best. We really want to make like a those mini, mini yeah, Oreos. Yeah. Yep. And, um, have you had like Whoppers? No. So they're like these um, chocolate covered malted inside. Awesome. I think they're also called like Maltesers. Oh, I was gonna
0: say, yeah, Maltesers. Yeah, in yeah, Australia yeah. we call them Maltesers, but yes, yeah, so I'm familiar with that. Yeah.
1: Yep. yeah. In America it's called uh, Whoppers. Mm-hmm. So that's something we're kind of looking into too. Um, but like I said, the, the vision really is to whatever the most popular snacking choices. Mm-hmm. And um, if you if you there's like a there's like a survey out there. There's like a research, and the most popular choices are like cookies ice cream chips uh savories and uh nuts or something so whatever the most you know popular most unhealthy and the way we kind of look at like product development is like what do people know and love like what's nostalgic for people and what do people really want to eat like late at night and um i think it's a lot easier to to sell and market something when it's something people already familiar with everyone knows what cookies are everyone has an experience eating cookies every i think a lot of people have an experience eating cookies at night and knowing like there's a bunch of sugar you know people care about how they sleep
0: you can't help but feel guilty there's no way of getting around it
1: (laughs) exactly and and like you don't want to eat something and it ruined your sleep so that's kind of what we want to do we want to be like the brand that when you come home you have you have a long day you put on some tv you relax we kind of want to be that brand that brings that feeling back it's like Mm -hmm. the comforting and the unwinding so whatever products we come out with next has to has to hit that point
0: that's cool and i guess you'll be sort of not limited but you'll have to sort of select a a co packer or a manufacturer you know around their capabilities as well which will be interesting
1: yeah yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be it'll be fun to see how
0: it plays out definitely mate um i've got a couple more questions for you okay so have there been any particular challenges that have been memorable in the pre-launch development of egs
1: the the most I, the biggest one that comes uh through my mind is obviously the delays yeah so that was a very very hard time especially when you're a startup you just want to get get the thing out there but when it's like you know, your, your main tells you it's going to be ready in two months. That two months hit something hits the fan and then you have to wait another four months Yeah. because so that was a, that was a process that, you know, it, it was, it was very hard to, to deal with, but it was like a, a process that I had to go through in order yeah. to know, like, okay, this is not going to be what I thought it would be. So I'd had to like sit, sit up straight and really just, you know, figure out what to do during that point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so. Navigating through those delays and challenges would be what I say like is the most memorable, but but it had the most like teaching moments for me. Mm,
0: that's cool. Yeah. If, if you had the opportunity to go back a year, with the knowledge that you have right now, and offer yourself some business advice, what would you say?
1: That's a good question. Um, I would say everything takes longer than what you expect. Believe in yourself more than other people believe in you. And um, don't compare your day one to someone else's day 100.
0: That's important to remember, isn't it? Because you can jump on LinkedIn yeah. and see everybody's success and feel really small at times, hey?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for like point number point number two, which is, uh, what was point number two? What did I say?
0: Believe in yourself.
1: Uh, yeah. Believe in yourself more than what other people believe in you. Yeah. You're going to have like a lot of like shit uh, thrown at you. You're going to, someone told me this, uh, the other day, like starting a business is like getting punched in the face, like every waking moment until you go to bed (laughs) (laughs) and it's all you're doing is
0: fighting fires. Yeah. uh, Yeah,
1: Yeah. exactly. Especially when you're just in the beginning stages. So I say, even like with all the, the hurdles, you know, people don't quite understand what you're going through, but you have to believe in yourself, believe in your idea more than anyone else. Not your like advisors, investors, friends, family. No one can believe in the idea more than you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a byproduct of that. You build more confidence in yourself. And by building more confidence in yourself, you, you're more willing to do the things when it gets tough. Yeah. And um. For, for number three, which is don't compare your day one to day 100. It's like, yeah, when you pop on LinkedIn, you pop on social, you see mm-hmm. a, a lot of people, you know, this person raised X amount of money in like 12 months or like, I, we sold like a million in a month. Yeah. And it's like, really, it's, it's a comparison game in your head. Yeah. And when you compare yourself to other people, it's not like, yeah, when you compare yourself to other people, you kind of freeze. Like, it's like, Oh shit. Like, okay. Like, what do I do now? And I think everyone's guilty of this. It's like in our human nature. And I definitely go through this on like a day to day, to day, to day Mm. basis. I think the most important thing is when you feel like judgment or like comparison from yourself to other people is like, just don't, don't, don't judge yourself, but just keep like putting the foot on the gas little by little and just uh, keep going at it. Um, It's a, it's a hard, it's a hard kind of wave to, to surf through. And um, I'd say that, that is probably the hardest thing that I've personally had to, to work through as an entrepreneur.
0: Dude, that's great advice. Yeah, If we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you have had your best year ever, what is it that you would have accomplished?
1: Damn, man, you're on a roll. That's a good question. Um, the, the goal for and Good is to, we want to hit um, a million dollar run rate in, in our first year. Mm-hmm. We want to come out with a couple of flavors I told you about. Yeah. Uh, start development for our second product um, and uh, be in a couple couple stores. And, um uh, I just really want to kind of at the end of 2021, I like made a goal, a bunch of things I want to get done. And I think I just really want to see how far I can take things in 2022, both personally and, and business wise. And I think those are, you know, runs in parallel, how you grow personally mm-hmm. is how much your, your business grows, especially if you're a solopreneur like me. And so, yeah, just, um, the, like the things I said and, um. Yeah, just just be the best, but be the best I can. That's so awesome! Mate.
0: What do you do outside of work? What do you do with yourself when you're not working on the business?
1: I have I have three jobs. Do you really? And, uh, what do you do? I do. So I work at a an Amazon advertising agency. Right. That was that's my first one. Yeah. Um, I do I do sales calls for um Genius Juice, the okay, the coconut smoothie company. Right. Alex. Um, and my third job is uh, I. Basically, do what I already do. I share my journey. Yeah. So I met this guy locally, and he owns like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a, like a course, and okay. he has like this community behind the course. Yep. So basically, I just I go in there and I share. You contribute. What
2: I'm doing. That's awesome, yeah. man.
1: So like I, I'd say that's a gig more than a yep. job. So yep. two jobs, one gig. Yeah. I like. Uh, I love so- football, soccer. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Dude, what a, everything that you're doing ties into the business that you're developing so well. So yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah
1: that that's that that was intentional like i really wanted to uh yeah use use that like i get paid and then i get to learn that i can apply to my my business so yeah it's definitely hard uh managing your time properly which is like a skill i've had i've had to develop uh, since i have like all these things i'm juggling but yeah it's fun it's fun i'm having i'm having a great time and i'm learning a lot so i'm excited to see where we're going to be that's year. awesome
0: well mate congratulations yeah. on all of your current success and you, uh, i'm really looking forward to you know continue watching you into the future and you've developed an awesome brand your packaging is great and uh i can't wait to try your product in the near future
1: yeah it was this was fun thanks it was. for having me
0: yeah no worries mate if anybody wanted to reach out what's the best way to get in touch
1: yeah so for me if anyone has a question feel free to reach out um just on linkedin it's just my name danian law um our website is uh com. If you want to check it out, it's dot Goodsnacks.com. And um, if you want to check us out on TikTok, it's also my name. It's a uh,
0: Damien Law123. Awesome, mate. So, well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate yeah, it. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions from today's episode or would like to know more about what I can do to help you achieve your packaging vision, you can reach me directly at hayden at the pack heavy You could DM me on Instagram at the pack heavy podcast, or we could also connect on LinkedIn and start a conversation there. I'll see you next week.